This audio is from King's Cross Church in Independence, Missouri. For more information or to donate to this ministry, visit kingscrosskc.com. Our scripture reading this morning is Romans 12, 3 through 8. For by, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body... We have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, and the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning. My name is Will Turner. I'm one of the pastors here at King's Cross, and uh, I got to admit, I'm pretty pumped about this sermon today. It's a lot of fun. It's a good text. Um, But before I do that, I need to talk a little bit I want to talk about a metaphor that I think is helpful because when we get into the body of Christ stuff, we can kind of get lost in, um, we, we get lost in the metaphor enough that we're like, okay, like the hand, the foot. So I want to help us out a little bit because I know all of us in the room, and if you're not, you will be in a few minutes, are Chiefs fans. Yes. 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 Okay. <clears throat> and I want to help you out this year, enjoy the season a little more if you're like, I don't really know much about football. Okay. Well, this is going to be helpful. So... A football team operates as a unit. You have different players, different positions all across the the spectrum. And the big things you need to know about this team is if a certain position is not functioning correctly, the other positions will fail, most likely. You You can't be a good football team with just Patrick Mahomes. We saw that a couple years ago, right? Like, you can't be a good football team without Patrick Mahomes. Receivers need to know their routes. They need to know that they have to block downfield. They need to know the, the plays. This is, they, they, they don't only need to know what they're supposed to do. They need to know what the defense is doing so that they can kind of sneak in there. Like, they know exactly what they need to do and what the defense needs to do, the great ones do. That's why Kelsey's so good. He knows exactly where the defense will be. Running backs need to know when to block. They need to know when to get the ball, which handoff, which arm to raise. Like, there's a lot of technical stuff going on. They need to know, oh, am I going out for a pass this time? Linemen get zero credit for everything they do. Amen? Any, any linemen? Um, but the good ones, the really, really good ones, they, they, they know that, and they love it. They love it. They don't care about, like, the fame, the credit, the interviews. They just love putting a guy three inches into the ground it's a, it's a good feeling, let me tell you. <laughs> and they know without that, that line in place, like, nobody else is going to be successful. You have to make lanes. You have to make way. And a good quarterback knows all of that stuff, knows the defense, knows the offense. He knows all of that stuff, and he knows, like, hey, I know I couldn't be Patrick Mahomes without that, that front in front of me. And so I don't know if you guys know this, but Patrick Mahomes gives his linemen pretty awesome gifts. He gives them pretty good gifts, like Rolex watches, like all the good stuff, because he knows, like, they're not going to get credit, but they are a super valuable piece of the team. Why am I talking about football? I could go on if you want. Um, Football's awesome. It really is. And if you don't like it, you should should try it out. It's, It's a great sport. 
But it's actually really helpful as we unpack our passage this morning, as we look at the body of Christ, as we see like what God is doing from a strategy standpoint in this world, like it's pretty beautiful and it works together and better even than the best football team as a unit. This passage today shows us a follow-up of last week that as we are spiritual sacrifices to God, giving God our everything, right? We're laying ourselves down at his feet, selflessly giving it to him. He doesn't just like leave us there. Like he does something with that sacrifice. He gives us each other. He gives us each other. So when you, when you present yourselves as a sacrifice before the Lord, he brings you into a body. He brings you into a body. You're not alone. He brings you into a body and he has, and he has work for you to do. That's the reality of what Paul's getting at here. When you're a living sacrifice, worshiping God in spirit and truth, he takes that sacrifice, gathers his people into a body and uses that body to do what he wants in the world. And you guys, like, this is gonna be a fun sermon. Let me pray for the text and we're gonna jump in. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for your church. Thank you for protecting us this morning from that pretty intense little storm coming through. Um, God, let us just worship you by opening your word and celebrating as a body this morning. Open our eyes, open our ears, and open our hearts, God, in your name. Amen. All right, verse three. We did the first couple verses last week. We're in verse three this week. For the grace... Given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. When we give ourselves fully to God as sacrifices, the first two verses, what does he do? He brings us together as a body, yes, and then he gives us gifts. Now, Paul starts off this explanation. um, (laughs) I love what he does here. He gives us like the classic human response. Like he knows like, hey, I know like you're gonna get these gifts and I know what you're gonna feel and think and do. And so how he starts is really funny uh, because he knows that as humans, anytime we show the slightest bit of competence in anything, we think we've mastered it. And if you don't believe me, like talk to anybody who plays golf in this room. Orion just had a golf lesson and I guarantee if you go to Orion, he's gonna be like, I'm way better now. I've mastered it. I, I hit one ball good, and I think I've, I've, I'll never mess up again. And sure enough, like two seconds later, I am losing everything in my back. Like, it is a mess. Okay, golf is a great example that the moment we, sh- we, we demonstrate, like, competency or any sort of skill, we're like, I've mastered it. I figured it out. Paul gets that, too. And so he starts off in a really peculiar way. He's reminding us here that it's God who made us the way we are. God gets the credit. God is giving us gifts. God is saving us. There aren't different levels of value in the body of Christ. Like this is, this is what he's starting off with. There aren't different values assigned to gifts. Paul unpacks this more in the next few verses. But he starts off with humility reminders. Humility reminders. And he tells us like, I had a professor, this is, this is just came, coming to me. Like I had a professor in college who would look at us and he would say, Humility is the unclaimable trait because the moment you think you have it, you've lost it. And that's what Paul's saying here. He's like, listen, you're gonna be gifted. The moment you become a believer in Jesus, he's gonna give you these gifts. You have to be humble. C.S. Lewis said he never knew anyone apart from Christians who would at least admit to being proud and conceited. (laughs) At least admit it. Everyone is. They would at least admit it. Essentially, apart from Christ, we're not going to be humble. We can't. 
Paul has us uh, on the lookout for pride here. Keller says, we must know who we are, accept what we're not, what we cannot do, what we can do. And here's why. I love this. So that we can be open to relying on other people. You are never going to be a functional member of the body of Christ until you come to the conclusion that you cannot do everything in the body of Christ. You can't. The moment you believe that you can take on everything, like you've got pride, or there's, the, there's kind of the two extremes in our culture. You have that extreme where it's like, I can do everything, I can do everything, I can do everything. Or the other extreme is like, I'm not gonna do ever, anything because I'm just gonna rely on this person in ministry to do it. And that's why, to be honest, you see across the country pastors burning out every day, quitting every day, because either they think they can do it all or their congregation's like, you have to do it all. We don't wanna, we don't wanna fall into that. The moment we think we can do it all or not contribute in the body of Christ, we've missed it. Paul's telling us to be humble and think differently about yourself by the measure of faith you've been given. Now, this is a confusing part of the passage, the measure of faith you've been given. A lot of scholars, there's, there's disagreement here. It's like, oh, do we have like different levels of faith? Like I have a certain level and you're a certain level. I don't want us to get caught up into that conversation this morning because it's confusing and honestly, it's not even what we need. There's another translation. Uh, if you look at the word here, measure, metron in the Greek, which is where we get the word meter, to the reader at that time, it would have been known not as a amount, but a standard of measurement. In other words, as one writer paraphrases, all you have been given is your saving faith in the risen Christ. Therefore, you are all the same status before God. What is that measure of faith that you're comparing yourself to? It's the cross. The cross is gone. Oh man, that one. <laughs> Just noticed it. <laughs> the, go the, the gospel, gosh, that's funny. The gospel is our standard of measurement. It's our standard of measurement. It's the humbling standard that we look to. What is, what is like all of this amount to? What is it all that we look to? It's the cross when Jesus Christ laid down his life for you so that you could even be a part of this family, be a part of this body. So be humble and measure yourself against that. One commentator says, the gospel lets us not think too highly of ourselves. We are sinners who in all of our own efforts earn only judgment and are only saved due to the kindness of somebody else. But the gospel also, don't miss this, it doesn't let us think too lowly of ourselves either. Yes, we are saved sinners, but we are saved who are loved, we are valued, and we are valued by the only one in the universe who matters. That's good news. That's good news. And that's how Paul begins his segment. He's like, you're gonna be saved into a body, you're gonna be given gifts, so be super humble because it wasn't you who did any of this. God saved you, God brought you into this family, and he did it through the greatest sacrifice the human world has ever seen so that you could be a part of this family and have gifts, so be humble. That's how he starts. Because of God's saving work in your life through the death and resurrection of Jesus and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, you're gonna be good at some stuff. <laughs> That's what he's saying. So don't be prideful. And then he gets really practical in verse four. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not have the same function. And so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. This is the great metaphor. I used football earlier to try to be helpful. 
but he's saying when you empty yourself before God as a living sacrifice, he gathers you into a body for his purposes. So this is important for you to know as a believer. We, we, in, in our Christian faith, we really emphasize the relationship that we have with Jesus. It is a interpersonal relationship with Jesus, but it, that does not mean that our faith is, is individualistic. It's not individualistic, it's corporate. We have a corporate faith, we're brought into a corporate body even though we have a personal relationship with Jesus, so it's easy to get that mixed up. We are made literally for one another. We are made differently than one another. Isn't it amazing, just think about this for a second, that God didn't make us all clones of one another. He didn't make us clones of one another. Not only do we not look alike, but there is no one in this room like you or like me. There are, we love this, we celebrate this in Kansas City. We love that there are different kinds of trees. Not all trees look alike, not all animals look alike. You like the trees because you like the different kinds of wood so you can smoke different kinds of meat with different kinds of wood, right? I was talking to you yesterday about Texas brisket and, and the, the mesquite tree, and I was like, oh, I need it. We love, we love the diversity in nature. Praise God, yeah. He did not make us all the same. He made us different from one another. We are also made to serve, to encourage, to bless one another and the world around us. There's no clones in the body of Christ. Each of us has been given unique gifts. And I wanna be like really specific here so we don't miss this, because it, it, it'd be easy just to fly over this and be like, okay, we're all different, we're part of a body, yes, we're different parts, but like, think about this for a second. Zoom out, increase your imagination that God, before the foundations of the world existed, before the foundations of the world existed, he was like, I'm gonna create a people for me in Independence, Missouri, it's gonna have like, eventually get named King's Cross Church after several tries, right? It's going to be King's Cross Church, and he's going to save a particular people in this place for his purposes. And that was before the foundations of the world were laid. If you're not like, if that doesn't increase your awe of God, I don't know what does. Like, he knew you would be sitting in this seat today to serve him and serve one another. That's insane. Verse 6, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If you're a Bible underliner, circler, whatever, mark it up. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Listen, this is not an exhaustive list of gifts, and to be Frank, like we could spend an entire sermon series in these gifts because we have different, we have multiple lists, lists throughout the Bible, and maybe we will. Orion's going on sabbatical, and he can't tell us what to do anymore, and we might just change the sermon series. Spiritual gifts this summer. Um, it's not an exhaustive list, but he's generalizing to make a point. There's far more gifts, even if you look at 1 Corinthians or Ephesians, when he's making similar references to the body of Christ. Scholars, though, do categorize all of these gifts into three, three places, and this is just to help you. There are verbal gifts, prophecy, teaching, exhortation, okay? You have leading gifts, you have administration, wisdom, etc., and then you have serving gifts, mercy, hospitality, healing, and then there's even more subcategories of those. We can get into those on another sermon maybe this summer. But here's what you need to pull from these last three verses that are it's crucial to you. If you are a follower of Christ, 
and the Spirit of God dwells within you, you have been given gifts by the Holy Spirit. You absolutely have been given gifts by the Holy Spirit. All of those gifts are equal in value before the Lord and to this body. All of them. This is why in Corinthians, Paul illustrates this point when he says, hey, like one body part can't say to another body part, I don't need you. We can't do that. A foot doesn't like look up to the rest of the body and say, hey, body, I don't need you because a foot can't move without the leg. My hands can't operate without the arms. My mouth can't operate without the tongue. Like we have different parts to our body. Our body is different in the way that it's made so that it functions together. And here's a really cool, if you wanna keep the metaphor going, what happens, for instance, if your eyes go out? What happens if your eyes go out? Even for a little while, your ears pick up the slack. The body works together in such a way that when one part fails, the other parts get stronger to support the part that's down. That's how we're supposed to function in the body of Christ. If one of us is hurting and, and lost hope, like the, the body of Christ rises up to hope for that person. We're made for one another. We're not made to do this Christian life alone. We're made in community, gathered by God for his purposes, to care for one another, to encourage, to lift one another up. I wanna give you just four things as we leave. Four things today. One, humility is the unclaimable trait. Don't forget, you're gonna be given gifts. Be humble. First one, know your gifts. Here's how you can do that. I don't have a, like a spiritual gift assessment that we're gonna send out. There's not a great one out there. I've tried a billion of them. They all fall short. They all fall short. Here's how you can do this. Humble self-examination. Verse three, he says, to think of yourself with what? Sober judgment. Be aware of, what, of who you are. Think of the way that you were wired. Be honest about that, the way that God has made you. Look to your heart. Like, what do you, what do you enjoy doing? What do you actually, like, enjoy doing? Think about the way God's made you. What do you enjoy to do? What ministry seems satisfying to you? What area of life? And I'm not talking about, like, just, like, in the church. Like, what, what ministry in life sounds satisfying to you? What are, what are you called to do in life that, that is life-giving to you? Look at the needs of the world around you, of the church. Oh, this church is super unorganized. I need to, like, I, I actually have administration gifts. I can step in and help there. Oh, this area seems to be really hurting. Let me just jump in and serve there because I can actually bring my gifts to the table. What's, what are the needs around you? So how, look, like, what do you enjoy doing? What seems satisfying to you? What needs are there around you? What are you actually good at? And this is something we need to spend time on because like, if you think you're gifted in administration and you've got a whole community of people, I don't think you are. Like we have to be humble enough to know what we're actually good at because it's not like a skill thing. Like God has given you gifts. Let's figure out what those are and let's plug and play. We gotta do that. We can't be like walking around thinking like all I wanna do is this. Like if I was a terrible preacher and you guys didn't tell me, I would be upset with you. I'm nervous. <laughs> but we have to do that for one another. That's what a family does. That's what the body of Christ does. We help each other, equip each other, sharpen one another. Humility first. So that's the first thing. Know your gifts. Two, Get experience. Paul in verse six says that if someone has a gift, let them use it. 
He doesn't say, like, sit on it. He doesn't say, like, just think about it or meditate on it. He's like, get out there and use it. If the Spirit, the Spirit doesn't award gifts after you serve. The moment you became a believer, he's given you these gifts, and he wants you to use them. Use these gifts. Don't stand on the sidelines. Number three, study the list in Scripture. God gave us these lists so that it would be helpful to us. Are they exhaustive? I don't know. I don't think anybody knows. We can guess. But he gave us these lists so that we in our human minds could have capacity to say like, oh, that's me. I think that I'm in this category. I can do this. It helps give us categories. The Bible is a really, really great tool. I don't have a, I don't have a great spiritual gifts test, but I have the Bible. I have the word of God. It's a great tool. Study the list in scripture. Pray over them. Let the spirit help you discern what your gifts are and how you can use them. And fourth and finally, use your gifts. Keller says, part of living as a sacrifice to God is giving over our abilities and gifts to him to be used in his service. So like when when Trevor last week was talking about living sacrifices, it means like, hey, it may may mean you want to be something else. You You want a different role. Sometimes linemen dream about being a quarterback. They do. But at the end of the day, like, they know that they're not going to be the quarterback. Nope, they know they can't throw the ball 60 yards down the field or run uh, 40 under five seconds. Like, those are things that they know they're probably not going to be able to do. Well, anymore. We're getting faster linemen every year. The point is, like, we have, it's, it's understandable to want to do other things in the body of Christ, to desire other gifts, to, to, and that's not bad in and of itself. But if you get hung up on that and you are not, developing and cultivating the gifts that God has given you, you are missing out on some really amazing stuff that he has planned for you. Really amazing stuff. Like this body of Christ functions when you are functioning at your healthiest in the body of Christ. Like we need you. Hey, and this is what we talk about a lot when we talk about like church attendance. Like we're not like attendance Nazis or whatever. It's like, oh, you missed. Like you're in trouble. Like that's not what we do. Here's why we get upset about it. This is why we covenant to each other and membership about it. It's because when you're gone, I'm missing out on your gifts. Yeah. I'm missing out on your gifts, and I'm jealous for those gifts. I need you. I need your gifts of mercy. I need your gifts of hospitality. I need those things. We all do. So that's why we talk about it. That's why we covenant together to be here in this room. It's not because like, we want to like, create some sort of attendance structure that matters. Like, it's because you have gifts that the body needs. God has made us for one another. He's made us to go on mission in his city. The body will never function if we overemphasize gifts or underemphasize gifts. We have to like recognize that we're all part of this family. We all have different roles. We all have value, and we need to serve together. We have to have the energy to serve together. I want to leave us with this. I love this. One author says that you need to be in the local church to be edified by the gifts of the others. You need to be in the local church because others need to be edified by your gifts. Gifts are not given for one's own enjoyment, for self-exaltation, or to build a platform. A Christian has no right to withhold their gifts from the body of Christ. God gave us these gifts because he loves the church. That's the reason. We are to use our gifts for the good of our brothers and sisters. We're to use the gifts for the, for the good of our brothers and sisters.
and it's all given to us by the power of the gospel. Like without Jesus' work on the cross, like we are not gifts, gifted, right? We have our natural abilities in life, but the spiritual gifts meant to like progress the church throughout all ages, like the, that's how this thing, that's how we got here today is by the imparting of gifts to his church. And without Jesus, none of that happened. So in all of this, in our exploration of gifts and our trying to figure that out and our trying to use it well, remember, be humble. Be humble. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for um, your word, how you bless us in your word. Lord, I, I ask, Spirit, I ask right now that if you would come and like even right now start to open our eyes, if you have no idea, Lord, like the places in which we are called to serve in the body of Christ, like make that known. Make it clear. God, we need one another. We need one another. So if we are slothful, Lord, increase our energy to serve. And if we are prideful, Lord, lay us low. If there's people in the room today that don't know you, God, I pray that their hearts would be softened, that like the good news that they don't have to do anything to like be a part of this family. It's all believing in your son, what he did on the cross, how he rose from the grave. Like that's what it is. If you confess with your mouth and believe with your heart, you're saved. And then the Holy Spirit will give us gifts. And so, Lord, I ask that you do that. God, we love you. Make us more like you in your name. Amen.